you doing? Oh, ooh, now it's, it's really there now. What's up? How's it going? I am, um, yeah, welcome to the water cooler. And whose brine is it anyway? The most obnoxious name I've ever come up with. Does anyone not know who I am and therefore just not understand the name at all? No. Oh, wait, yes. Okay, so thank you. This is great. My last name is Brian. This is not a broth contest. A saltwater pickle jar guessing contest. Whose Brian is it anyway? Would be the literal version of that. And it would be, I think, the greatest, like, instead of MasterChef, you just get, like, a, you just get like a lot of people to pickle a lot of onions. You pickle whatever. Like, your favourite. Pick your favourite. You name it, you pickle it. You put it in a jar. You line it up. And the whole TV show is you have to guess who pickled what. Whose Brian, <laughs> literally, literally whose Brian is it? Um, it's an idea I've just had. <laughs> I think, fuck it, we're not going to... The water cooler's cancelled. Now all we have is literally who's literally... Brian is it anyway. That's going to be a fucking great show. A um, couple of reasons I came up with this theme. One, the pun. Just the pun. I came up with a pun and was like, we got to... Something has to happen with this. And then second of all, um, the comedy festival is coming up and I like normally would work with a lot of storytellers to write the stories with them and put all this effort in, but I don't have any fucking time. And so I was like, improvise. <laughs> well, we'll just do like an improvised one. That's like fun. So now we, now we just have, it basically just comes down to my own laziness and poor organisation skills. So now we have Who's Brian Is It Anyway, which is where the stories are made up and the points don't matter. Um, <laughs> And I was going to wear those shoes that they have, you know, and they're like shiny black and they have white, white at the tops. You know, the, the Whose Line Is It Anyway shoes. And you wear them with like super windy car keys. No, the black shoes, like patent leather black shoes. And then they had like, they almost like bowling shoes. And the tall guy, Ryan Stiles. Ryan Stiles used to wear him, and it was just, he was just basically like, he was just a big old feet walking around with his, like, and he had like pants that just made it, it was always like it was windy. Like, and he'd be like, I'm just doing that. And then they had like Hawaiian shirts on. That's how I remember Whose Line Is Anyway. It was one of my favourite fucking shows ever. God, it was, I'm going to so illegally watch that when I get home. Um, yeah, so what happens is that because it's storytelling thing, I can't actually just do a straight up Whose Line Is Anyway rip off, which is what I want so bad. But um, the closest thing I could get is that we just improvise all the stories. But then I was like, well, people... So unlike me, who right now is just absolutely loving life, making up everything I'm saying, and it has given it absolutely no pre-thought, um, a lot of people don't like doing that. So I've come up with, like, some... I guess they're questions, but they're more like story guides. So they kind of, like, trigger a story. So they're going to get pulled out of a hat, and um, I'll do some examples soon. So the stories will kind of come out... And they might, like, some of these people might basically just tell, like, a one-second answer, and then they'll be like, next one. Or someone would probably, like, just end up riffing, like, a 20-minute-long fucking story off one thing. So who knows what's going to happen. And we have some amazing storytellers for you. We have Jessie Mearns. Give it up. And Jessie is a neuroscientist, a practising neuroscientist. Um... So she goes to she goes to universities and she goes into the labs and she opens up the jars of brain, brains and brine, and then she cuts them open and then when everyone walks in, they're like, what are you doing? And she's like, just practising. So um, then we have Nick. 
This is Nick Bruce Smith. Everybody give it up for Nick. <laughs> Nick is a practicing lawyer. Um, so Nick, again, similar, will just go to court and just bang that stick and just say stuff and get caught. <laughs> and he wears wigs um, and just like objects. He just objectifies. <laughs> Objectify! Which is a mix of testify and objectify. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then we have Brad Zimmerman. Give it up for Brad. Um, Brad Zimmerman, every time I hear his or think, say his last name, I just want to say it, Brad Zimmerman, which would be like Brad the Merman, but, you know, like, Brad Zimmerman, and I just, then I think it, and then I picture him, like, on a rock, like, flapping. <laughs> Brad's a dad, a practicing dad, but you're always practicing as a parent. <laughs> uh. I fucking hate it when parents say, you know, parent stuff. Yeah. You never really get to the end of being a parent. And they act like it's your fault you were conceived. You're like, hey, I'm just the victim here. You brought me in the world without any consent. <laughs> anyway, and it's shit. All right, okay. Um, and then we have Jen O'Sullivan. And Jen is a practice. I'll give it up for Jen. Jen is a practicing improviser. And she she just gets up and she's like, cool, rehearsal's over. And that was the entire show. Yeah. That's, that's improvising, baby. So, okay, I'll just do like one little demonstration of how it's going to work. Oh, you kept them in your head? Yeah. She gave the questions lice. Uh, no, I didn't. That's not, that's not a question. You guys, Jen has nits. <laughs> Jen definitely got, she got nits. Everybody on the count of three, everybody. Jen has nits. Jen, oh no. Okay. I, I love group bullying. Sorry. Yes, please, yes, please, yes, please. I think I have to read them because we want them on the podcast. Oh, this is a live storytelling podcast. You guys are being recorded, so don't talk about... Don't talk about dicks. Because they are not something that anybody should talk about either. Um... Okay, so this is an example here. This is a good one. Tell, I wrote these and also... <laughs> no, I didn't write them by myself. I wrote them with my flatmate, Jessie. Who, this is a flatmate, Jessie. She, um... Uh, tell us about the first concert you ever went to. Who was it? What happened? Okay, so there's two. So first... Okay, I know there's two. I know you can't have two first concerts, but I can because of the tr I was tricked. I was tricked into my first concert, so it doesn't fucking count. First concert I ever went to was the Spice Girls, which is like, how the fuck did you see the Spice Girls? This woman is holding onto the wall. <laughs> I just feeling, yeah. So I was like nine years old and I was like, you're going to the Spice Girls, which was just like, oh my God, I'm so lucky to live in this place that I get to go to the Spice Girls. I am so fucking intensely excited about this. And I got dressed up. I did orange hairspray. I put on Spice Girls Impulse. I stuffed my little kid bra in a fucked up way. I just wanted to be just like Jerry. And because she was my favorite because she had the most feminism, which looking back now was not feminism. It was something else, but it was kind of on the right track-ish. Better than nothing, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. 
So I was fucking crazy excited about going to the Spice Girls and then I got there and walked in and it was in the middle of the day and it was the greatest thing. I went up to the front and they looked really different. And then I was like, what is happening? And then someone explained to me what a cover band was. And I was like, it's not the real ones. You mean the Spice Girls aren't in Queensgate Shopping Centre? What? But I still enjoyed it anyway because... Fucking, it was close enough, to be honest. It was kind of my first experience with realising I lived on a tiny island that nobody cared about. And it was really lovely for them to just, you know, stack on something anyway, I guess. So that was the first concert. So that doesn't really count because it wasn't real. I was tricked into going to a, a fucking cover band. So the second concert I went to was my first concert and I went to Pink because my friend, like, my mum was cool and, like, was a reasonable person. And so I think I was, like, thir- I was 12, maybe, or 11 or 12, form two. Um, and my friend Hayley, her mum was cool and she was a reasonable person. And so like 30 of us in the class all wanted to go to Pink because she was going to TSB Arena. Um, But everybody else's parents just, I don't know, weren't reasonable enough to let their 12-year-olds go. So we were the only ones actually allowed to go and we were freaking out. Like, this is intense. Why is nobody else allowed to come? But whatever. So we put on... We dressed up like her again. Well, I don't know what it is. Um, you get to an age where you just drop dressing up like your favourite band, but I wasn't at that age yet. And so, yeah, I put on like a tie and I was an awkward, like that super awkward overweight and underweight at the same time, t- period, like period all over the place, just 15 years old, what the, f- 12 or something. Just, I don't even know what age I am. I look, so, I'm such a confusing age to look at. You just can't guess. It's just so different. It doesn't make any sense. And then we went to Pink and she came out and she had pink hair back then still. She was super on brand. And she was like, y'all got a lot of sheep. And that was it. And then she did a bunch of songs. And I kind of was angry at her. Like, yeah, but I mean, it's not all we've got, you know. <laughs> There's more to us than that. Just like a pill. Santa <laughs> making me bad. Oh, my God, I went fucking ape shit at that. Okay, cool. So that's an example of how it's going to go. Mine are the best. I know, like, don't, don't expect that they'll do, like, what I was able to do. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Um, just kidding. They're going to do much better than that shit. So, um, okay, cool. Y'all ready for this? It's called negging. <laughs> okay, can I please get you all to put your hands together for Jen O'Sullivan? Hi, everybody. Great. What's um? What's my first one? The Jungle Book, what does it mean to you? Or sing the songs and do the voices. <laughs> oh, it's two bits of papers, but the other one's empty. The Jungle Book, what does the Jungle Book mean to me? The Jungle Book is one of the Disney ones I haven't actually seen that much. Um, but like, I, the only song I can think of is just the one where the bear is dancing and singing. Bear necessities are simple bear necessities. I don't know what the voices are. Do you know what I can do, though? I can do this. I can't do the Jungle Book, but I can do this. Life's not fair, is it? You see, I, I will never be king. And you, you will never see the light of another day. (laughs) And you, Scar, (laughs) drop it. Oh, my God, I missed a bit. Never mind. Um, Impeccable timing, Your Majesty. Yeah, I can do that whole bit. (laughs) 
what's happening. Oh, in jokes. Um, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. What's the thing that you would tell 15 year old you if only you could stand being around 15 year old you? Uh, it would be okay, so in about, in about 12 months, you're gonna meet this guy. And for some reason, you're going to flirt with him. And what I want to highlight for you, 15-year-old Jen, is that he has a mullet. And that is indicative of everything else you need to know about this man. And I say man, but I mean man-child, because he too is 16 years old. Um, And you're going to go out with him for a really long time if you don't stop and notice the mullet. Um, Like, way too long. You're going to lose your virginity to this man with a mullet. And, and I need you to know that for years to come, you're going to be sad about this. <laughs> In a kind of like, 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 okay, so, and then like he's, you're going to invite him to your school ball and he'll come to your school ball and you'll say to him, hey, can you get a haircut? Because you're like really shaking. He'll go, yep, cool. And then you'll go and like meet him and he'll be all dressed up and you'll be all dressed up and you'll go, I thought you got a haircut. And he'll say, yeah, I just got the front trimmed. <laughs> And that is all you need to know. So please stop now. Um, What's that thing you lie about all the time and act like you understand, but really you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about? Just adulting in general? Like... My husband and I, I'm married, I have a husband, um, and we have a lovely apartment, and he has a really good job, and like, I am a freelancer, and um, I, that means I work from home, and I do all sorts of adulty work from home, I have a home office, um, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I get up in the morning, and I play with my cat for like an hour, and I get up at like 10, so... I get up and I play with my cat <laughs> and, and, I, and I have my breakfast and then I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's 12 o'clock. I should do some work. And I don't know if you know, but like, some, I, like sometimes I struggle just with like motivation and focus and that's really difficult when you are self-employed and when self-employment doesn't pay you anything. So you're not even like, because I'm, I'm self-employed in the arts and sometimes I get paid for gigs. And sometimes I get paid to produce things, but not all the time. And the not times are much more frequent than the paid times. So I don't even have like, you have to do this because you'll get paid as a, as a motivator. I just have, you should probably do that thing because otherwise tomorrow you'll have to do that thing. <laughs> and so I don't do the thing. And then uh, I play with my cat again. (laughs) Okay, all right. Oh, my God. Tell us about that thing you're obsessed with right now or something you used to be obsessed with. Um, I used to be obsessed with Tori Amos. Um... (laughs) Jesus, Tori Amos is a singer-songwriter who was very big in the 90s. Um, and I say very big, but not that big. Um, she's kind of 
a woman in a piano doing incredibly feminist, weird, arty music. Um, her first album features an a cappella song called Me and a Gun, which is her singing about the time she got raped. I can't really listen to it, partly because it's really long and a cappella, and also <laughs> because it's quite dark. Um, but I got into her in a massive way when I was like 17, because I saw her on... I saw her singing a song with Maynard from Tool um, and I was friends with a bunch of guys that were really into Tool. So I saw them singing together on the country music channel on Saturn. Did anyone used to get Saturn? Yeah. So country music channel, there's this performer and I'm like, I know that guy, but she's interesting. Great. And... In the, like, the next like three months, bought all of her albums, which was impressive because I just worked at Cobb Co. at the time, and that wasn't a particularly lucrative industry. Industry? It's not an industry. Um, and so I got really into Tori Amos, and uh, I think the extent of my love and her weirdness was sort of really highlighted when once I put on one of her albums while some of my friends were over, walked out of the room, heard this bizarre wailing in the lounge and I came back and like told them all off for making fun. I was like, you guys, don't make fun of her. This is really cool. And they went, we didn't. That was the CD. And I was like, oh. Um, and listened to it again properly and like, you know, it really touched me, but fuck, she's weird. Um, she's really weird. And then like sort of over the years, uh, I keep buying her albums and I keep buying her albums, but she got happy. Like... If you are really into an angsty musician and then they like get married and have a baby and suddenly all the things they're really angry about aren't, they're not angry about them anymore, you get like an album of elevator music and I'm not an elevator. So um, it, was, it was really heartbreaking. Um, and now I sort of every so often go back and fondly listen to the ones that I really enjoyed. And I know so many lyrics, but um, I don't buy the brand new albums anymore. I will listen to them on Spotify, which is a little bit sad, but also it's okay. It's, I'm not as angsty as I was when I was 17. And I feel like that's time. Thank you very much. Let's give it up for Jen. It's great work. Can I get you all please to put your hands together for Brad Zimmerman? I hope I get the one about cables. Uh, right. That's where my keys are, sorry. Tell us about your childhood dream job. Are you living it? If no, why the hell not? Well... In a way, yes. In a way, no. Uh, fucking, yeah. um, I do have a day job, uh, as well as being a uh, dad. Uh, oi, don't know how to use microphones. Um, uh, oh, actually, I have three jobs. One, I am a stand-up comedian. Uh, I earn a little bit of money from that. And yes, that is my childhood dream job. Fucking hooray! Bam! Um, <laughs> don't know why I did that. I'm not also a wrestler. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm doing that. I've been doing, doing that for about eight years, and it's going really well. Um, uh, but I'm also a dad, and that's going really well. Uh, my daughter is almost two and she's still alive so yay uh, and I always wanted to be a dad because uh, I've never met mine I was like fucking I can do better than that cunt and I have so far um, uh, but I also have a, J, uh, a Dre job um, I'm Dr. Dre I don't know if anyone <laughs> I produce number one rap albums uh, 
I have actually recorded a rap uh, with the recording artist Scribe. None of you knew that, and now you do. Um, but my day job is uh, I work as uh, an admin manager um, for a small satellite communications company. I've been doing that for 11 years, since I was 18 fucking years old, uh, and I'm dead inside now. So <laughs> I have no hopes for my daughter having a future with a happy dad. But uh, <laughs> but let's talk about the uh, Scribe thing. Why not, um, since we're on that? Um, <laughs> can I talk about that? Oh, you fuck it. Yes, I can. I'm, I'm the one on uh, the mic. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's weird me standing at the mic. Uh, this is going to feel more stand-up-y now, but fuck it. Who cares? Um, I, so a few years ago, there was a competition called uh, Scribe With Me, um, which was uh, run by an organization called Choice Not Chance. Anyone heard of that? It's a problem gambling organization. Oh, because you've all got perfect lives. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically, I was driving to my shitty J, uh, Dre job again, fucking up, one day, and I saw uh, on the side of a bus stop, there's a billboard with like a cartoon of Scribe, and it said, you know, Scribe with me, uh, choice not chance. And I was like, well, I don't know what the fuck that is. So I drove to work, and I, when I got to work, I used company time to Google, you know, Scribe with me, choice not chance. And it was like, here's a, here's a competition where you can write a rap song or, a, or just a song or a poem or a short story and the best ones from around the country will get selected to uh, spend a day in the studio and they'll get to record them with Scribe uh, and have them released out to the world as like a well-produced track. And uh, long story short, I wrote a rap song, uh, spent about an hour and a half doing it and I was like, ah, I don't even know anything about problem gambling and I can't rap either, but I wrote that and I sent it in like, that'll be the last I ever hear of that. Um, but uh, about two weeks later, I get a phone call uh, hi, is this Brad Zimmerman? I'm like, uh, yes, yes it is Brad Zimmerman. Hi, this is Becky from the uh, Choice Not Chance um, uh, Scribe With Me campaign. The what? Oh yeah, that thing, hey, how's it going? And she's like, oh basically, blah, 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 uh, you won. You're one, of the, <laughs> you're one of the five people around the country that we decided is the best at this. Um, so you're going to spend a day in the studio. We're going to record your rap. Uh, and the people from, uh, well, it's now John and Ben at 10. But what was it before John and Ben at 10? It was, um, no, after that, um, uh, the Jono show. The Jono and Jono show? It was, yeah, it was something like that. Basically, it was this bullshit thing that had Guy Williams in it. And, um, <laughs> and they said, oh, but, you know, and they're going to be covering it. They're going to be in the studio. Like, Guy Williams would be there. Uh, and he would, like, be filming stuff. And it will be, like, really fun. And I was like, oh, fucking, okay. Uh, but they asked more and more about me. And they're like, oh, so uh, how old are you? And I was like, oh, at the time I was 25. I was like, I'm 25. And they're like, oh, Oh, okay, and I could tell, like, oh, they were expecting teenagers to enter this. I was like, uh, 25, okay, um, all right, so, um, so, so what do you do? Are you like a student or something? Oh, oh no, I'm a full-time admin manager. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, and they're like, Zimmerman, that's, that's an interesting name. Uh, is that, where's that from? And I was like, oh, I think it's European descent, um, like German maybe, and they're like, oh, so you're not, like, you're not Māori or Pacifica? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. They're like, okay then. Um, well, we'll see your 25-year-old white admin ass uh, on these date, on this date, and uh, we'll see you there. And basically I showed up and like Scribe was there and he was a fucking tall dude and he was like, hey everyone, because he doesn't talk like that. Um, and uh, yeah, like took us to lunch at an Italian restaurant. Uh, Osterio del Toro, is that a thing? That's a, that's a thing, yeah, we ate there and it was nice and I don't know who paid, but it wasn't me. And then we went around the corner to the studio and spent the whole day there and um, uh, the Jono show thing was there and, and you recorded our raps. And basically, I am garbage at rap. Um, I'm absolutely horrendous. The other, the other people were just fantastic. Like These are great songs. Uh, you can still find them online and unfortunately mine too. I asked them to take it down and they said, no, it's good. And I said, you're lying. But basically, uh, 
uh, he recorded it, it was a great day, and uh, I'm now, because I was one of the five winners around the uh, country, I'm technically speaking, an award-winning rapper. So yay! Um, and uh, we'll end that story on that. Um, what else do I have? I didn't think about microphone technique. Tell us about that shit job. You've, no. Um, actually, oh no. Tell us about that shit job interview that went all kinds of wrong. Well, actually, I don't have. Uh, I've only ever had three job interviews in my entire life. None of them went wrong. But I'll tell you about one that went really, 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 really right. But I still didn't get the job, and I have no idea why. I guess I'm just a dick. But I was living in London, and I uh, I was applying for jobs everywhere because I was very quickly becoming homeless. And uh, basically, uh, there was a cafe job about 10 minutes walk from my flat, my shitty flat, which actually had about 12, actually had about as many people as are in this audience living there, uh, some of them in cupboards, and one was soon to be me as well if I didn't get a job. And there was one uh, cafe 10 minutes walk from the flat, and I went, and I had no cafe experience, but I was like, fuck it, who cares? And I, I met with the manager, and she and I, we sat down, we had a great talk. We talked for about an hour and a half, it was just, and we were just gas-bagged. And like, I'm not a very conversational person. I have a real problem talking with people one-on-one. You put a microphone in my hand, and I'll just bleh, But without that, I'll sit there, and we just talked and talked as if we were like old friends. We just chatted and chatted, and we like, I made her laugh the whole hour and a half. She made me laugh, and I walked out of that. And she, and she was like, like Brad, like, oh, seriously, just I've only got one more person in interview but like you're the guy like just I'll I'll call you tonight I'll call like don't even worry about it I'll call you man I'll call you and I was like walking away going that was the that was as well as it could fucking go no phone call uh next day no phone call a week later no phone call so I called in I was like um and I went and saw her you know because it's so close to my flat and I was like what's what's this deal and she's like oh you yeah nah we didn't like you at all I was like you could have told your face um Anyway, that what didn't end up being much of a story, so we'll move on. <laughs> so you're like, oh, they just didn't like who you are as a person. Um, why did you never take curling seriously as a sport? Was it because brooms? <laughs> I think it's because I'm a human being. And next, uh, <laughs> curling. Uh, I, I, I've never actually been much of a sports person. Um, uh, can you tell? I, I, I did play football. Anyone in this audience play football? So I mean, I mean, soccer, football, yeah, actual football with with your feet, not with your fucking throwing the hands. Fucking Americans are spastic, okay? But um, <laughs> but I, I used to play football, and I I I played for uh, when I was like 10, 11, 12, I played for like a representative team of like the Wellington area because I, I I had a skill which was just that I did not give up. Uh, I had no like technical footwork skills. I couldn't goalie. I couldn't do shit. But I was that kid on the team who just got shit fucking done. They were like, that kid's got the ball, Brad, destroy him. I'm like, okay, boss, boss, coach. Um, but I, basically, so that, 10, 11, 12, they were like, you're good enough at that to be in the representative team for Wellington. Uh, turned 13, and they were like, that's not enough. You need to actually have skills. So I was like, oh, I'll go play with a shitty social team with my mates. And uh, we lost every game. Uh, <laughs> every single, every single game. But um, when we were 15, our shitty social team, our, our boys, fourth 11 at Tower College, uh, is fourth 11 even a thing? It was for us. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't even a third. They just made us the fourth. Uh, they're like, you're not good enough to sit just below the seconds, guys. Uh, but so that happened. And uh, our, our, at the time, our Tower College girls' first 11 was the best 
girls first 11 team in the country. They won like the nationals. Uh, they were like winning all these trophies and awards all over the place. And they challenged us because I was friends with a lot of them. Uh, a lot of the girls on that team, they challenged us to a game. They're like, look, we'll, we'll destroy you, but it'll be fun. Like, it'll be fun. Like we're the best in the country. You're one of the worst. It'll be fucking, it'll be so great. Uh, long story short, we beat them 16 nil. I don't know how that happened, but we did. Um, and that makes it sound like I'm gloating. And you all liked me before because you're like pity, but now he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> And now how much time? Oh, no, no. <laughs> you had more until you said that one. Um, yeah, anyway, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Give up for Brad. Yeah. Okay, can I please get you all to put your hands together for Jesse Mins? Give me the questions I wrote. Why the fuck aren't you captain of the All Blacks? <laughs> First of all, was born with a vagina, so automatically out. Um, so I never really wanted to be captain of the All Blacks. I wanted to be coach of the All Blacks since I was a little kid. Um, so my parents are super supportive of this. My dad more so than my mum. My mum now refers to me like, when you want to be assistant coach of the All Blacks? I'm like, come on, girl. It's 2016. Women can do anything now. Um, so... Because my parents are super supportive and I've never really faced any kind of like opposition in my life, I genuinely believe that I could still be cap, uh, or coach of the All Blacks. Um, I saw the Minister of Sport the Lights the other night and I'm like, should I ask, you know, if he's in charge of appointing captain of the All Blacks, like see how that goes, you know, I work at the Gov, he works at the Gov, you know, can he help a brother out? But I just stood there awkwardly and stared at him probably just as good um but like I think I'd be pretty good recently went on an MCG tour to see how big it was not that big um which is just in line with my experience you know they think it's real big not really um went to the media room and the guy was like who wants you know do you want to pretend to do a media conference and I was like fuck yeah I want to pretend to be a media conference and then I gave a five minute press tour as if I was captain of the black caps and nailed it and the person I was with was not embarrassed in any way. She's not here tonight. Her name is not Mira. All right, tell us about your last smear test. If you've, if, if you've never had one, just the closest thing will do. Well, I have had one, and everyone in the room, ladies in the room will know that they just harass you with those letters. Like, it's like every week, like, you're up to date for a smear test. It's time for your smear test. And like, I know, I'm ignoring these on purpose. And then when you finally get sick and you have to go to the doctor, you're like, oh, they're going to bring it up. They're going to bring it up. And you have to be like, oh, nah, next time. And you're like, you know, next time's going to be in 12 months when I need my flu vaccine. Um... But it also comes out like, I just hate my GP, like, and she knows it. Like, I went last time, and, like, I was asking her stuff, and, you know, I have a science degree. I don't cut up brains for a living, but, like, I've got a good enough working knowledge of the human body, and she was telling me how it works, and I'm like, that's not right. And, like, it was this real, and I'm like, no, you're going to do these things, and then, like, we stared at each other. She left the room. <laughs> Came back, she's like, okay, I'll do these things for you. I'm like, yes. She's like, and you're overdue for your smear, and I'm like, I oh, know. So then when I booked my latest doctor's appointment, I know that my doctor's part-time, so I was like, there'll be a locum, like a part-time. And I was like, oh, so when is um, this doctor um, on leave? They're like, oh, this day. I'm like, oh, I ne only can do that day. <laughs> so I went and I was like, I need this prescription filled, I need this and this. She's like, you're overdue for your smear. I'm like, yeah, it's time to pay the piper. <laughs> so that was the last time at a smear test. 
You're welcome. What is that really harmless, mundane thing that you're the only person on the planet that needs a trigger warning for? If you're confused, Alice can provide an example. Oh, so I was when she wrote this, her example sucks. Um, <laughs> it's fly spray, like, I'm just... One of us has a microphone, it's not you. Um, so for me, it's like uncooked egg whites. Like, I find them so gross that I like, have to carefully crack them and if I get a sink, like a bit of it on my skin, it makes me dry rich and I have to like scrub up to my elbows. I'm like, oh, oh. So this is really difficult for me because I love poached eggs on toast. Like it's my favourite meal. It's my death row meal. I love poached like, for, for, for through a phase where I would only have poached eggs on toast for dinner. So this was really hard. So I have to be real careful to like crack the egg into the cup without getting any of it on my skin. And then if I got any of my skin, I just throw the whole egg out and start again because that was super gross. Tell us how you got your driver's license. So I got mine back when you could still get when yours were the fifth when you were 15, which is a horrible idea because 15-year-olds make terrible life choices. So I dropped up to get my restricted and my cool Peugeot that my parents got me, um, which no had no power steering, and my driver's license tester was on the obese side. It was back when you had to reverse around a corner as part of your driving test, which you can't actually do in real life because it's illegal. <laughs> have to do it anyway so I was doing it and I was real stressed because I do not handle like stressful situations at all like I go from zero to like heart attack in like 10 seconds today I was pulled out of a meeting to help with something super urgent and it was took I needed 20 minutes to do I spent five minutes like panicking like freaking out on the verge of tears just wasting time just panicking about this thing that I could very easily do so anyway I got in the car first thing I do instead of putting the car in reverse put the car in drive drove into a bush that's fine. So then I was, you know, reversing around the corner and my car had no power steering. I'm a bit spazzy and panicking and it's like arms everywhere. And I accidentally hit the driving instructor. And the only reason I hit her because she was obese and I was really spazzy and I was like, what do I do? So I just sort of panicking, just, just you know, ignored it. Just went on, drive through, pass. Nailed it. <laughs> Tell us about why you never finished that book. All right, so when the luminaries came out, I was like, yes, strong female author, book on crime, I'm gonna read this book. And then I, my parents gave it to me at Christmas and I was like, holy shit, it has so many pages. This book has more pages than people in New Zealand. Like it's the longest book in the world. And this was back when I didn't really go to the gym a lot, so I couldn't really actually lift it. So anyway, I was like, Fuck it, got it for Christmas, on like leave from work, so I was like, I'll read it. Sitting in the spa one day, dropped it in the spa, quit at the first hurdle. But I get through it by claiming that no one has ever read The Luminaries, and when people claim that they've read it, I defame them to their faces. <laughs> Tell us about the last time you really felt uncomfortable. Well, I was once in my flat trying to help my flatmate with some questions, and she bullied me, and then I was trying to help her shut down all of my great ideas, and then since bullying Snapchats about me. It was Alice, and it was like two hours ago. Am I done <laughs> Give it up for Jesse! Yeah! So, um, if you could all please put your hands together for Nick Bruce Smith.
can we hang the hat? Can we hang the hat off this? Oh, there we go. That's my, that's my good deer hunting hat. <laughs> <laughs> this is why people get shot in rural New Zealand, Alice. <laughs> oh, that's how you get shot. Okay, okay. Is this a Air New Zealand boarding thing? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Okay, okay, question number one. Uh, tell us about that weird flatmate you had, brackets, if you never had a weird flatmate, then it's because it's you, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, um, uh, I used to live in a fire station when I was um, at... Uh, at university and our lounge I, I know it's kind of awesome I know you guys were wanting to applause then but that's fine hold it back <laughs> just hold back the applause and um, and our lounge that we had was where they actually parked the fire trucks and the big thing with this place this is up in Northland I don't know if anyone knows this place you guys are nodding yep did you guys come around to our place no I used to live on right you live you live nearby you live not on a fire station did you no, no, oh oh plebs in there that's fine that's fine um, we were, so we were in this fire you're doing it. Oh, sh- <laughs> always forget this. Damn it! But we had um, we had this one flatmate. So it was like three of my best friends through university. And you know, often when you're looking for a flat, you have those three people. You're like, these are who we're flatting with. And then you find like a five bedroom place, and you're like, oh no, now we need a homeless person. Um, and so we found this guy who was part of the Victoria University Debating Society. Now I don't know if anyone knows anything about the Victoria University Debating Society, but if you do, it's just filled with scandal and shit. It's like, it's like Hufflepuff, but with like STIs <laughs> and mainly gay people. Like it's just, it actually they they used to have this like initiation where they would like try and like make you gay in the first year and stuff like that. It's really sort of like the opposite of like aggressive straight people. It's like real aggressive gay people and stuff like that. <laughs> They're like make your arguments and then come home with me and stuff, and we'll watch the West Wing because that's what we always did. Um, we didn't get laid, anyway. <laughs> so often you turn gay um, <laughs> to accommodate. But we, so we had this one guy uh, called Daniel. Um, I shouldn't say his full name, so I'll just call him Daniel Wilson. Um, <laughs> and, and so he, he lived with us. He was, like, he was like our additional flatmate who could pay rent. But the weirdest thing that, about him, though, was that he, he would just have this like, little heater that we keep having to take away from him that he had on his room all the time when he was never there in summer. And, like... That says a lot about your character if you have to have a heater on in summer when you're not there. And I think it's because he was just trying to, like, drive up the power prices because he had shares in, like, one of the power companies. Like, he kept going on how he had shares in, like, Meridian Energy or something. I'm like, this is not how, like, shares work. Isn't by you having, like, a little fucking, like, thermal heater thing that's just going on in your room. Anyway, he was the weirdest person. So that's my story about my weird flatmate, Daniel, Daniel Wilson. Um, <laughs> describe what fuckboy means to you. Jesus Um, I don't know I I, I know what you're thinking Clearly this guy's like a massive fuckboy And stuff like that Get it a lot Um, No I I, I think for me When I think about fuckboys It's when I'm in town And when I think about fuckboys I think about Daniel Wilson All these stories are going to be about Daniel Wilson Think about guys with heaters and shit just like cruising off. But no, it's, it's, it's town and it's an e-stab. And it's town e-stab on a Wednesday night, student night, at about like 9pm. Now see, the thing you need to know, as probably all you guys do know, is that if you're an e-stab at 9pm, like things aren't going well for you. 
they're going fucking fantastic. Like you have so much self-confidence if you're an e-stab at 9 p.m. as a guy. And you just used to see them like lining up across the bar like a group of lingering llamas and shit. Like just just staring people down and like girls would come in and they would just sort of like disperse and just like surround them. And it was just the creepiest thing in the world. So that's what I have to say about fuck boys. They're creepy. Um, Oh no, it's the same one from before. What do you think would be the public scandal that inevitability ruins your career? Um, It's probably, uh, I actually, uh, some of you might recognise me from What Now. Um, (laughs) When I was 11, I had a cooking segment on What Now called Five Minutes on High um, for about three months. I see a few looks of recognition in the audience there. And, um, oh, do you guys remember Carolyn from What Now? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was just this one incident one time, the green room with her and Props Boy. And... (laughs) Shit, man, we've been doing, like, lines of raro hardcore and stuff. Like, our palms were, like, covered in, like, yellow, like, orange mango and shit. And just stuff got real weird with the gunge and stuff. And, like, Jason Gum was there. And he doesn't even do what now anymore. But, like, he was just there. And Jason Farfoy, like, walked in on us. And he was just like, that's, that's not what what now is about. <laughs> like, put down that tally op. Um, and, yeah, and then I just, like, fully passed out and shit, so... <laughs> Um, tell us about those first few months after you moved out of home for the first time. Oh, okay. So I, I, I grew up here in Wellington my entire life. And so I made it my absolute goal that in my first year of university, I'd move out of home. And so naturally, because I was living like in Johnsonville, which is like way away from town, I moved to like the furthest, deepest, darkest corner of Karori, because um, it was way closer to town. Um, <laughs> And uh, because I was like a real fuck boy, I had like a single bed because um, then like they know it's on when they come back and I have flannel sheets because like I don't want no chicks getting cold and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think what I was learning was like there's just some things that like aren't, aren't normal when you're just like I was put out into the wilderness like you guys all know like uh, the state of nature or what is it called? Is it called state of nature? Like Hobbes theory? Did no one else do a BA here? Fucking hell, this is Wellington. We all did like polls 101 like... State on age. Anyway, so things that I learned in that first week were just like, you cannot cook pasta and also roast potatoes and put that in a dish and say to your flatmates, this is my cooking night. Like, that's not a meal. There's something called carbs on carbs that I hadn't heard about before. Also, if you wash your jeans every single night, they will get suspicious. Like, that's something you should not do as well, is wash your jeans regularly. Generally, did I mention you should not have flannel sheets as well? That's not something which most people have commonly when they move out. Does anyone have flannel sheets here in the audience? Do you have flannel sheets? They're amazing, aren't they? Like, I feel horrible that society doesn't let us have it. It's like the same reason, like, I feel horrible that I still can't use my Bebo. Like, it exists. It exists. And I still regularly go on there and, like, update my top 16 friends every now and then. Like, when I have a crush on a girl, I put her up to, like, number two and stuff like that. (laughs) Haven't gotten love for years, which I assume says more about Bebo than me. But I'm worried it's something about me. So I'm not sure. Anyway. I don't even know what the question was. Um, Um... Tell us about the first pass you ever had and why it's real shame. Oh. 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 You know, you know like primary school and stuff like that when like you know you're in love and stuff and like you just know that you're in love and like they don't know who you exist and anything like that but like you know you're like meant to be with that girl and stuff like that mainly because like your parents know each other. Um, (laughs) 
Like, effectively, I'm describing an arranged marriage right there. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But that's the system we need to go back to because it, it means that I end up with someone. Uh, <laughs> and, like, my mum makes real good decisions, so I trust her more than me with girls these days. Um, like, on a first date, I bring my mum along. It's not weird. I've got flannel sheets. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I had this girl at... Um, at at, uh, at primary school when I was six that I was just so in love with and I've been in love with since kindergarten and that was because she just spoke to me one time and from that moment I was like it's meant to be like that's like that's like a spark like a Nicholas Sparks novel could be like a girl at kindergarten talks to you and like you guys would fizz over that shit like some of you are fizzing right now about that thought of like <laughs> me as like a little kindergarten kid like meeting another girl and her being like hello and me being like ha 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 and then like four years later uh, we were there playing truth or dare and she got dared to kiss me and she ran away so I chased her <laughs> 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 yeah, I know, hey. I know, I know. Eventually, like, she, she gave up because she had asthma. Um, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> when I say that loud, it doesn't sound as romantic. It's like, in my mind, up until this point, it was such a romantic thing. Like, it wasn't me, like, chasing her, like, <gasps> and her, like, <gasps> it was her being like, follow me. Um, and I was like, I'm coming for you. Um, even that phrase is creepy, like, running somewhere down, I'm coming for you. Um, it's not getting better at all it's like a really shitty game bull rush or something like that but I'm just chasing her um, anyway I caught up to her and I gra- it doesn't get better I grabbed her my god jeez it's like that thing happened in Egypt with that kidnapping or something just grabbing kids um, I was a kid as well so it's alright like kids can grab kids like that's that's nah it's not okay either is it man wow wow yeah our school didn't have uniforms, so I blame it on that because everyone's like, you have uniforms, you're like really well behaved, but we didn't have uniforms. So that's why like we would, we would, we're like gypsies. Holy shit. I know. We were like gypsies. It was like that grabbing thing with gypsies with that grab. That's what I did. My God, my first kiss is ruined. Holy fuck. Anyway. So like I, I grabbed her on the field. I'm not going to use the word grab. I embraced her on the field. See? Now your perceptions change. <laughs> I embraced her and she looked into my eye, uh, my eyes because she had nowhere else to look but, um, but it sounds romantic and I just like went in for, like, for the kiss but like she got her nose in the way so I just started like sucking on her nose for, like a little bit and I remember it and then I sort of like picked her on the like lips and stuff and then I ran away um, but I was, I was just so stoked I was so happy that's, so that's, that's my first pash yeah is that my time Alice? that's my time hey thanks a lot guys They don't need to teach about consent in school. It's, it's a waste of fucking time. Oh, realising that you're full on, grab someone like you're a gypsy. It's just, wow. Hey, do you want, can I join and read the rest of these questions out? They're really funny. Okay, because we have like five more minutes. Uh, tell us about your first cell phone. It was a who are we? <laughs> no, I got my first cell phone uh, before anybody else my age had cell phones. So that was useful. Sometimes I'd text my mum. She wouldn't text back because she didn't know her phone beeped because she's she still to this day does not know when her fucking phone beeps. Just what is it with the mums? Um, tell us about the last time you had a situation involving vomit and or bum wheeze. <laughs> Man, I'm glad that one didn't come out. So this, we wrote these with like just too many inside jokes circling around the flat. Like, ah, if you. And because she has, she's allergic to lactose. She can't have. She can't have lactose. Tell us about the last time that you were grossed out by a creep. Um, all day, every day. Yeah. 
when Nick was telling his gross gravy story. <laughs> Tell us about the last time that you had really bad social anxiety. Listening to Nick's story. Straight up, man. You triggered me hard out. I was ripping out my eyebrow hairs. Um, describe and explain the premise of the reality show that you will host, The Bachelorette, star and host of, and The Bachelorette of. Whose brand is it anyway? Whose brand is it anyway? Slash Whose Bachelorette is it anyway? Oh my God, imagine that. Like, whose one is this? And she's like, I don't know. It's just that all the fuckboys look the same. I, I don't know who I married. <laughs> Last memory of being at Decca. This is a good one. Hey, you can, but we've got to do them in like two minutes. So come up, do like a one minute long one. So my one. Next points. What? Yes. So my last one for Decca was I got those plastic shoes. You know those, those princess ones? That you, like, that, like princess high heel clacker shoes, those little plastic ones? Oh, my God. I used to love those. I got two pairs. There must have been a sale looking back. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so at Christmas time, I went down to Invercargill because that's where my husband's parents live. And his mum was like, hey, here's some of your stuff you left here 15 years ago. Um, and we went through it and we found... Um, a KFC uniform, a Decca uniform, because he used to work in the toy department of Decca, and a briefcase, a locked briefcase, and like a bunch of other shit, but like, like we were like, why didn't you throw this away? But um, the briefcase, we managed to get it open. The combination was 333 and 333 because that added up to 666, and he was really cool. Um, and when we opened it, we opened it to find juggling paraphernalia like juggling balls and a chatter ring and like marbles and shit and I was like why did you lock this but clearly he just wanted to be a business clown so I just feel like more people need to know that my husband used to work at Decca yes um, and then there's a couple more there was explain your ranking amongst your siblings Initials are AB. What more can I say? <laughs> My youngest sister's hotter than me. <laughs> if you believe in yourself, you can achieve anything apart from that one thing that you definitely can't do because you just actually can't. <laughs> like for me, reading. Oh my God, I'm so bad at reading. It's fucking horrible. Um, and spelling. Oh my God, Jesse was having a nightmare when I'm going like, how do you spell... Orange? <laughs> what was it? No, that was an embarrassing one. How do you spell aunt? Mm. I was like, does it keep the E? Uh, yeah, so this is what it's like. This is what it's like being dyslexic. You guys have no idea. It's horrible. You just look like you're stupid, but you're not. You're only a bit stupid in a special way. Um, tell us about that thing that happened at school camp that was real shame. Everybody knows about those ones. Um, yeah. So, yep, yeah, and this is my hunting hat. So I don't get shot when I'm in the bush. 
my boyfriend got me this for my birthday. He goes, he doesn't um, like to come back into civ, uh, which is his way of saying civilization. <laughs> it's, that's true. He got me like a Swazi jumper in the middle of summer once. And I was like, this is beautiful. And then the price tag was like 200 and something dollars. And I was like, <laughs> but I love it. I love my hunting hat. Okay. So yeah, that was Who's Brian Is It Anyways. Good show. Give it up. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. Thank you so much for coming and recording on the podcast. It's been really amazing. Yay.